Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 26. All right. Welcome back, listeners. I can't believe, I can't believe that I am a day late this week in getting this podcast out to you. Sorry about that. I have a lot going on over here. So it's Wednesday right now, and I'm hoping that by this evening, this podcast goes live. Um, My hope is that my listeners are out there wondering what the heck is going on, like waiting, chomping at the bits for the next show. That's happening, right? Tell me that's happening. Big news, super exciting. I had my biggest download month last month in January, over 2,000 downloads of the podcast. So I'm celebrating that. I'm celebrating our growth, the growth of this community. Always, always, always know that... uh, the best way to um, get the word, word out is to simply let your friends and family know that you found a podcast that you like that's really helpful. You might need to show them what a podcast is <laughs> and help them put it on their device. But the more you can do that, um, the more downloads I get, the more likely it is that the podcast will remain in existence So do your part. Share it. If you are finding that this is super helpful and something that you love to listen to while driving or folding laundry or running, share it. Let your people know. They want to know. Share it, share it, share it. So today, uh, my guest is Serena Bahar Natkin, and she is one of the forces behind Grow Parenting at growparenting.com. She is a licensed social worker and a parent educator and coach in the Seattle area. She's a colleague of mine, someone I went through training with, with positive discipline. She actually co-founded Grow Parenting and provides parents with tools and support they need to raise healthy children and find more joy in parenting. Isn't that what we all want? Um, Serena is coming on the show to talk about parenting styles. And I think that... 
Um, I'm, well, I know that I'm really excited about this conversation because so often it comes up with me, for me, with clients around um, really exploring where we land in the parenting style continuum. So Serena and I are going to dig into that. And you may just see yourself in our conversation and hopefully um, you'll be taking away some tools because it's not ever about perfection. It's always about improvement. When we know where we are, then we have a better idea about how and where we want to go. Um, so you might just get some insight into where you're at and perhaps where you'd like to be with parenting and um, some tools for doing that. Please know, little disclaimer, um, you know, the podcast is offered up as a smorgasbord of ideas and tools and thoughts. Take what works for you, leave what doesn't. Um, I firmly believe that we are all individuals with individual families and individual values. Um, my goal is just to get into the ear of parents and offer perspective and help and inspiration and maybe a wee bit of entertainment on the side. So yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. How about you guys meet Serena? Hello, Serena. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Great, Casey. Thanks so much for having me on today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on. Will you please start us off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker, and I started working with families actually in college. I started uh, working in the area of domestic violence, uh, working with children and moms. Uh, and I, I, and additionally, I worked in the sexual assault field for a while and, and practiced as a therapist. And the shift came for me moving towards parent education uh, after the birth of my first daughter. I was sort of knocked off my feet like all of us are. <laughs> And but I know so much. Right? Exactly, right? So I have much. all this knowledge of child development and all this stuff. And, you know, I was still just sort of a, a, like a deer caught in the headlights. Mm -hmm. The other piece that rang true for me is uh, I didn't have the mental space to take care of myself to really do that kind of crisis work that I was doing before mm -hmm. with a new baby. And I wanted to focus on how do we really create healthy families from the start. So I moved my focus to parent education and working with families through both uh, classes and privately as a parent coach to address the challenges that, that many of us face and really let go of sort of the therapist hat because I found most of what I was working with were very common challenges that we all have and they didn't require me to um, to label, to give a diagnosis was something that was a, it's frustrating, it's painful, it's hard, mm -hmm. and we have to learn and grow and so do our kids, but it wasn't, there wasn't a disorder. And so I really sort of moved out of that model. And my focus is more on, these are common struggles that we go through and here's an opportunity that we have to learn and grow along with our kids. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, where I'm at today. And it, it gives me hope and it gives me hope for our future and you know, if we have, healthy parents, then they raise healthy kids, and then our society gets healthier. Yay. Yay. Hooray for that. How old are your girls? My girls are 10 and 7, mm. 
and they are full positive discipline kids, man. If I mess up, they get that book and they show me, hmm, that sounded like a threat. Did you want to phrase that differently? <laughs> oh, right. There's that, isn't there? I, yeah. I, I yeah. let parents know when I work with them, you know, if you're raising your kids with dignity and respect, then guess what? They're going to expect yep. dignity and respect yep. and will call you out on your stuff. Oh, Yes. Oh, and they call everyone out. I, you know, get reports and say, you know, not everybody operates with this world for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I do you, the work I do. <laughs> and you brought up positive discipline. You're also a positive discipline yes. trainer. Yes, I am yeah. a positive discipline trainer. And that's so how we, that's how our paths Yes. Crossed. I know. Love that. I know. Yay. So today we're going to talk about parenting styles. And I'm excited that we're going to talk about parenting styles because I was online on Facebook and I was um, reading feedback that somebody had about um, a webinar that they saw and apparently the webinar topic there was some conversation around parenting styles and even after they watched the webinar the parent was talking about like what is authoritarian like what what do these words even mean so it's a powerful conversation to be having absolutely yeah and often parents don't really spend a lot of time considering how they show up or how they want to show up or how their way of being is actually inviting behavior from their kids and during the positive discipline workshops and those of you that are listening who have taken a class with me or with somebody else, you know that this is often presented in the first weeks to help parents begin to see what their patterns are, which can be a little painful, Mm -hmm. Um, and that there's movement even within the parenting styles, that we're not always in the same style all the time. It's not fixed Mm -hmm. or rigid. There's actually a lot of movement. So when Mm. you work with parents, and I know you do the same activity that I'm speaking of, what shows up in your work? Well, the first thing, it's interesting because parenting styles, it's, uh, this is sort of at the core of what parents are coming to you for is there's a mismatch between the style they're using Mm -hmm. and, uh, and how their kids respond or Mm -hmm. how they would like their kids to respond. Right. So it, you know, regardless if someone is wanting to change their parenting style, the first thing is sort of realizing where they're at. We learn from our family of origin. We learn from what we Mm -hmm. saw. Humans learn from modeling, right? Yeah. So what we have stored away in us, in the parenting style we're going to fall back on if we're not if we're not actively you know doing something different is what we saw and like you know as today our parents loved us and they did the best they could with what they knew mm-hmm. and but our world has changed and a, a lot of what kids are needing today and uh, what researchers are telling us they need for the future it doesn't align with uh, the parenting style of previous generations and and then when you throw partners into the mix, you know, we eat, each partner in a family grew up with their own uh, family of origin and their own, their parents had their own style. So right there, you're bringing to the equation two different experiences of what it means to be parents and, and what that looks like in day-to-day practice. And even if you grew up in the same, even, I mean, even if you happen to grow up in the same house, the birth order goes into mm-hmm. the mix too and affects people's uh, parenting style can shift. Uh, with with birth order as well. Yeah, and I was laughing recently. I uh, um, was responding in a conversation around podcasting and mm-hmm. and parents. Oh, of course, I forgot to turn off my phone. Um, I was chiming in on a thread about like, do your parents listen to your podcast? And I was mm. cracking up because um, 
<laughs> sometimes I'll get a message from my mom and she'll say, oh, I'm listening to your podcast. And a little part of me is like, ooh, because I, you know, because I, re- I reflect on my experience and I'm talking about showing up the way I want to show up. And part of that is letting go of or working towards letting go of some of what was modeled for me. And yeah. what's interesting, though, is when we are in when I'm in conversation with my parents, you know, their perspective of what it was like to raise me, it was totally different than my perspective of what it was like to be raised by them. Absolutely. Which is fascinating. And that was, you know, you talk about birth order. Uh Um, You know, I was the oldest of a lot Mm -hmm. of kids. You know, my sister, who was third and the baby, had a totally different experience. And that is fascinating to me. Absolutely. But we're not going to talk about that. Yes. We're just no. We'll just tease you all. We'll tease you <laughs> listeners about birth order. Maybe I'll find someone so to come much on. About. Yeah, maybe you'll have to come back and we'll talk birth yes. order. Yes. So let's um, just for right now, let's break down what we mean when we're talking okay. parenting styles because okay. um, there's a couple ways to think about this, and I'm going to just start with the continuum, and then you can chime Good. in with the, another way to look at it. But mm-hmm. we're really we're talking about if you could think about a continuum. Right, mm-hmm. listeners. So, there's on one end that overly kind, permissive style, right? And when I ask parents, like, what would you see in in this home, the first word that always shows up is chaos. Mm-hmm. And then it's so funny every time. And then yeah. on the opposite end of the continuum, there's this overly firm, authoritarian kind of drill sergeant style. Mm-hmm. And what often shows up when I ask parents about this is fear, which I think is yes. fascinating because I think yep. there's fear on the part of the child because, whoa, mm-hmm. mom and dad are scary. But I think there's also motivation in the parenting around fear of what will happen to their kids if absolutely. they are not absolutely on top of everything. So I think yep. that's yep. super interesting. So there's that overly kind uh-huh. all the way over to overly firm. Absolutely. and. When you talk, when we, you know, when we talk to families, when you work with families, what are, and they're in these extremes, which of course we're not always living in the extreme, although I don't know about you, but I have moments of the extreme. Um, What do you see in families when these extremes are that are employed as the go-to way of being for parents? What do you see? Well, let's talk a little bit about what they, what they look like. So, uh, and one of the things to keep in mind is that even uh, the extremes, there may be some um, positives in there that come with um, with those styles, you know. Uh, and we'll talk more about the balance of the two and what they look like, uh, like kindness and firmness together. But, yeah. you know, so if we're talking about a permissive home, um, again, you mentioned this that chaos comes up. Right. But and some of the other things that come up. So there's this the chaos comes from the lack of rules and boundaries being mm-hmm. held. Structure, yeah. Structure, yes. They also tend to be homes that are highly creative and fun and loving and they seem, you know, parents see, may sort of seem relaxed and, you know, bedtime, schmed time, doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, that makes me yep. sweat just thinking yeah, about bedtime schmed time. Bedtime <laughs> <laughs> schmed time, yes. So what happens here is the kids kind of run the show, right? Yeah. And the and the problem with that is is after a while it's just exhausting for parents. Yeah. 
And so the truth is it's hard to function there a long time. And kids are constantly looking for the boundary. Mm -hmm. So you may, while it may seem like there wouldn't be conflict in a home like that, conflict may in fact just be avoided because parents are feeling exhausted and steamrolled by their kids and kids are just kind of pushing continually like where's the edge here mm-hmm. and that can create fear in of itself right yeah if there's no I don't know what the boundaries of my behavior are and so if they're not there for kids when they're younger how then would kids learn to internalize those and decide for themselves when no one's there right right, right. Uh, They also may lack the skills to deal with conflict or adversity, which is a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what's happening in that permissive home. So there's lots of freedom, but there's no order, no structure. Yeah. Yeah. And the other end of that, as you mentioned, was the authoritarian. Uh, That's that really firm side. And so there's lots of order, but not a lot of freedom. And that's that looks like blind obedience in the part of the kids. Parents are the boss. We can only yeah. pray oh, for we blind can only obedience. Hope, right? That's what the parents are hoping for. What they may get is something else, or right. they may get it, but with a high cost to their kids. Right. I think so, about when I think about blind obedience, my mind immediately goes to my teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, and the situation, and my, you know, and our sons too. And you know, blind obedience as they move into oh, adolescence, gosh. and their peers oh. are the ones that are influencing them. No, thank you. No. No, okay. absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's the, I'm the boss. Uh, do it or else. Right. So there's not, no discussion. It's sort of ruling by fear. So it's using, you know, the underlying. And, and when I think what kids hear underlying that is love is conditional. Yeah. Right. I do exactly what you want or I risk losing your love. Yeah. So either the relationship, you know, either there becomes no relationship as kids grow up or somebody who's afraid to speak their mind, afraid to stand up for themselves, um, and, you know, really can end up alienated and, and tuning out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's in our house the other day, my daughter was asking the same question several times in a row. And hence, you know, uh, I think after at some point I looked at her and I said, because I said so, and we both just burst out laughing. I said it as a joke, right? But that was the parenting style of the past. Kids were not, it was not a discussion. And uh, some of what we see today is this like shift back and forth. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk, before we talk about that shift, I want to talk a little bit about uh, other parenting styles that you hear of. So sometimes, uh, and in positive discipline classes, sometimes we talk about the four parenting styles. Mm -hmm. So that's the permissive that we mentioned, Mm -hmm. which is black boundaries and the authoritarian, that like top down. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another box, there's another square there called, that's called neglect. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Uh, and traditionally, when we think of neglect, we think of uh, children who are in homes that they're really struggling. Struggling. There's poverty and and crises and things that are going on that the ch- their, the parents, for whatever reason, are not able to care for their children's mm-hmm. emotional and sometimes physical well-being. And while that occurs, we're seeing a new kind of neglect uh, in in families, and that is when families are so busy and so tuned in to technology mm-hmm. that they're lacking connection so they actually are not may not be meeting the the emotional needs of their kids yes their kids may have you know their basic needs met food shelter and clothing and that's and healthcare and stuff and that's important but there there's a lack of connection because uh, kids are going from activity to activity to activity after school and on weekends and uh, when they're home, the use of technology is so high that, you know, there's no space for emotional connection to happen. Well, and when I think of technology, <laughs> I, mm. I'm part of both kids and parents. Yes. Right? Man, Absolutely. these phones, they sure are handy. They sure are fun. Uh, yeah. They sure can suck you in. Oh, yes. So I had Rachel Macy Stafford on the show. Do you know mm-hmm. Rachel, the yes. hands-free mama? So she was yep. on the show this last summer, episode 11, if anyone mm. wants to scroll down and find that. Um, and we talked a lot about her journey with this and how powerful it can be. Not only do we need to make agreements and set boundaries with our kids, but mm. we got to do it for ourselves, too. Oh, 
Absolutely. So first thing I look at when parents come to me with technology challenges is we talk about their use. Mm -hmm. So you are, (laughs) yes, and it is hard. I am not saying it is not hard. I've started, side note, I've started a new practice of telling my kids what I'm doing on the computer because Mm -hmm. actually the truth is much happens on the computer now. It's not that I'm sitting there playing games or using tech time like they use it. I'm paying bills. I'm working but if I'm never communicating what I'm doing right it just all looks the same yeah so you know that's we gotta just like our parenting we learned our parenting style from our parents or you know sort of our fallback parenting style our kids are learning from us and this is true for all areas all yeah, things that are definitely um, so, so there's the style uh-huh. in the middle, right? So we've talked uh, like high kindness, low firmness, high firmness, mm-hmm. low kindness, and then the neglect, yeah. which is basically no kindness or firmness. Yep. yep. Then we've got high kindness, high firmness. We yes. talk about it as authoritative parenting or yes. democratic parenting or like the I'm, ideal positive discipline situation. I'm still searching for another name for that box because, you know, authoritative is really close to authoritarian. Well, so you know, I look, look I actually looked up those two words uh-huh. because I find myself presenting that those two concepts mm-hmm. and like, why do they have to sound so much alike? Mm-hmm. And it's because the, uh, the beginning of the word author, authority, mm-hmm. whatever, um, yep. it actually comes from the, the, the root for the word leader. Ah, right. Uh-huh. And it's yes. two very different leadership styles. Absolutely. But Absolutely. yeah, I would be down with a better. Name and the other it. name, Democratic, then that, you know, turns off the Republicans in the audience, even though we're not talking about <laughs> politics. So I, I'm looking for that other, that okay, let other me know. name. Yes. So, so what does it look like? Yeah. So this is that kind and firm at the same time. So like permissive parents, authoritative parents are responsive and nurturing and involved. But unlike uh, permissive parents, there's mutual respect. Mm -hmm. So the self-respect of the parent is equally important to the respect of the child. So this means I can be loving and say, I know you'd like to go to the park. When you have your shoes on, then we can go. And if my child doesn't want to put their shoes on and they're mad about it, they can be mad. Mm-hmm. I can even offer them a hug. But I don't need to shift what's happening. I don't need to shift my um, decision that, you know, something needs to happen first. They need to put their, you know, finish their homework or whatever the whatever it is. It's holding the boundaries in a way that is still kind. Right. But it's respectful of me as well as the kids. Right. So. I can love my kids very much and we could have set up a plan for them remembering to bring their snack to school. And, you know, once in a while everybody forgets things. But let's say we're consistently forgetting things. If I was to take my child's snack up to their school every time they forgot it, I'd kind of be sending the message that, you know, my time doesn't matter so much. And I know we have this agreement, but it's okay if you don't keep it. I'll fix it for you. Mm That would be the permissive, right? Mm -hmm. The authoritative or democratic or the magic word I haven't come up with. (laughs) That's the, that sucks that you forgot your snack today. Yeah. What do you need to do so you can remember to bring it tomorrow? Yeah. Do you want to do some problem solving around that? What would help you? Right? Yeah. 
So kids from that, they, uh, we can, authoritative parent uses connection as a tool for teaching valuable life skills, for encouraging self-discipline, for engaging in problem solving. And what your kids get from this is courage and resilience and Mm self-discipline and self-respect. Yeah. The other piece is like, uh, so there's uh, authoritative parents have a similarity to authoritarian parents too. So author, uh, like authoritarian parents, authoritative parents really hold those boundaries on behavior like mm-hmm. we talked. But unlike the difference is between the, the sort of top down, highly firm is boundaries may be set through joint problem solving and are held again, they're held with warmth and kindness and respect. So we're using empathy in the way we hold boundaries. So it's not about punishing. Right. It's about what's the problem and, and how do we find the solution to it? Yeah, I was just working with a client today around bedtime and a three-year-old. And uh, I was asking her about if if they had a routine that they had created together because I think that that power struggle of bedtime with our young and with our older kids, what happens is they don't have the skills to unwind or it just feels chaotic or they're feeling unattached and they want another glass of water or another book and the parents get frustrated and then it becomes this, you need to stay in bed, you know, that we all feel crappy about later. And so when I think about authoritarian, authoritative style, that kind and firm Mm -hmm. style would be, let's be proactive. Let's set the structure. This is how it is. And it's okay to say, I know you'd love to have another glass of water and we already did that part of the routine, it's okay to feel Uh disappointed. Yep. Right? And staying really in that neutral, calm body because I think that we – it's difficult. I think there's this – well, I know. I work with parents that have a challenge around being firm without being mean. Yes. Right? Because I think those things in our society have gone hand in hand. Like firmness is this – scrunchy face and pointy finger and you will do this right but it it doesn't have to be like that well it's a you know one of the things that I when I think about sort of the culture of parenting big Mm -hmm. picture is I think about how that what we're up against sort of in changing the culture of parenting because we have so many systems within our culture that are built on hierarchy and top down and and very little models for kind and firm at the same time yeah it's either you're good or you're bad, right? Right. And if you're bad, then, you know, lots of places in society, lots of systems don't necessarily think that you deserve the same respect. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, we, we, you know, if we feel disrespect, we're not likely to come back to the table, right? We're not right. likely to shift. And speaking of culture, so here's something that I've done some reading about and is fascinating to me is how shifts in how our culture and societal trends in general affect sort of the current prevailing parenting style. So, you know, and we talk about this in positive discipline, that, uh, that idea of how, you know, what we grew up with, um, shift, we've talked about sort of, mm-hmm. uh, what we, sorry, what we grew up mm-hmm. with affecting our style, but, you know, in past generations, so when I think about like my grandparents' generation and how my parents were raised, which was where they learned how to parent, right? The right. parenting style that they learned and use on me. So it was a different time. So um, there were wars going on 
employment trends uh, were different. Uh, there weren't necessarily two parents working in the home. Um, there was more scarcity. And, you know, those harder times, the Great Depression, harder times, uh, there's a reason that people go to more of a top-down structure. Um, they want order. Uh, they feel, you know, there's uncertainty. So we're going to make things, you know, you don't, you don't argue with what's on the table for dinner. If there's meat on the table for dinner, you be thankful that mm -hmm. it was there because that was a scarcity and you right. were lucky to have it. And, you know, there may have been, uh, you know, certainly in countries where wars were actively taking place, obedience was important to keep you safe, right? Right. right. So, so it was a different time. And people, when they went to, um, when it came to work, people went into one, one-to-one -one employer and may stay there their whole career, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, what's happening now is the needs, so our, our culture has changed. We have a changing workforce. People are graduating or going to college or graduate school. They're coming out of school at a later age and they're going into the workforce uh, well, where they may change career, not just change where they work, but actually change fields of work multiple times during their career. People live longer, they work longer. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also less reliance in general on on knowing data in your head. So- Thank uh, you, Google. Yes. <laughs> so it is always there. You don't have to have the timeline for the civil war in your head. Yeah. But what you do have to know is, uh, you know, how are you gonna figure out a problem with someone that's different than you? Yeah. So, so our, you know, I think part of what happened, like, you know, our parents' generation and our generation, certainly, we, you know, we're like, wow, we do not want that top-down style. That is not going to work, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be that mean boss who says, because I said so. Right. Washing mouse out with soap. None of that. That's horrible, right? We're going to let that go. Never mind that that stuff may have come about for a reason. But we went so far the other direction. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we swung the pendulum to that opposite end of the continuum and everything became a choice and everything became a discussion. And, you know, as I talked about earlier, after a while, you kind of feel walked all over. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting too, because I have clients who feel like I um, have a, well, by the time this airs, it will have already been on the podcast, but an interview I did, a live parent coaching that I did with a client of mine who said, sometimes we feel like we've created a positive discipline monster mm. because, mm. you know, she's forgetting that, yes, we love limited choices and limited choices mm -hmm. allows for kids to develop feelings of capability and significance yep. and belonging. And it's okay to say no. Exactly. Uh, you know, the more limited choices you can offer, the more likely it is that when you say, you know what, I'm going to make the decision on this one and the yes. answer is no, that mm -hmm. it's going to be, you know, it's more likely that it'll be responded to favorably. So Absolutely. I think I'm hearing what you're saying about that pendulum swing and that yes. lack of model. And because we don't yes. know what to do, we yes. err on the side of permissive, which exactly. is not helpful. It's not. And and here's the kicker, right? So after a little bit, you feel walked all over and you're like, who, you know, what is going on here? My kids are running the show. This is ridiculous. And maybe you've had a bad day and you're tired or maybe your kid does something that really pushes your buttons. And we flip. We right. immediately jump to that other end and we say, that's a 
go to your room. I don't want to see you until you've figured out how to fix this, right? Right. So we flip and we go and that's when we hear that we all of a sudden were like, whoa, I just channeled my parent. I didn't even know that was in there. And out it came. And then to, <laughs> to keep going with this, so often we feel guilt about that. And then sure. if we're parenting from guilt or fear, we go back to our kids. I am so sorry I yelled at you, honey. Yes. Let's go get a cupcake and we can just have a movie night and eat treats yeah. and you can stay up late. And here we are right back. And so we're just doing this dance back and forth because neither of them work. Yes. Neither of them work in the long term. I love that. I, well, I don't love it. It's totally annoying. <laughs> but I love when I get to talk about this with parents, this dance, mm-hmm. because every head in the room is nodding, looking at me yeah. like, oh, my gosh, you just Absolutely. described my life. Yep. Because yep. it is. It's like anything goes to you are bugging the hell out of me. Gosh darn it. I'm going to yep. – and, and then it's like, rah, 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 quit doing that or I'm, there's going to be mm-hmm. no more TV for the next two months. Right? Oh, Into gosh, like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. And the kids are like, what's going on? Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, it's very confusing for them, right? And so then they're sort of in that world of like, I don't know what to expect. And can you imagine the sort of insecurity that creates in a child? I don't know if I'm going to get Jekyll or Hyde. I don't know if I'm going to get cozy, loving mom who will do, I mean, always loving, but mom who's going to do anything for me and take away any problems that come my way or mom who's going to lose it and, you know, shame and yell and punish, right? So if they're 
if we're back and forth, it creates so much confusion for them. And they, they kind of either develop apathy, like mm -hmm. whatever, I don't know what's going to come. So why does it matter if I try? Right. Or, you know, surely. Yeah. 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 Frustration. Um, and kids, we all like some sort of boundaries. It's not that we need rigid, you know, but if, if we are uh, always searching, if we don't know what's out there, we're constantly like searching, where's the edge? So we know that it's there and we don't fall off, you know? So it's really, really anxiety provoking for kids, yeah. um, either side of that pendulum. And so what we're really, you know, w what we're really looking for is that both and, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Both kind and firm. Yes. So both loving and respectful, mutual respect. And it's tricky and, and it requires continuous practice. Absolutely. And here's the, here's the other piece. So couples often will play opposite parts in that dance, in that pendulum swing. Mm -hmm. So not only will we swing back and forth ourselves, but we watch our partner who has had a long day and is frustrated and got their buttons pushed and they lose it. Mm -hmm. And then we go right back and we, oh gosh, now my kid is really upset and he was so mean and I'm going to make it all better, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So not only do we undermine our relationship with our kids, but we can also undermine our partner's relationship with the kids oh, man. because play opposite sides. Because if we, let's say we grew up in a very permissive home and our partner grew up in a very um, authoritarian home, what's that going to play out like? Oh man. You know? I do know. I know it very well, Serena. <laughs> so we want to aspire for that both ends, yep. right? Yep. And yep. I think that it um, is really important for people that are listening to know that the goal of always living there oh, is, happen. yeah, misdirected, right? Because while we can all aspire – to live in the authoritative mm -hmm. style all the time. We're human beings yep. with triggers and histories yep. and emotions yep. that can sometimes get the best of us, right? And Absolutely. even, you know, sometimes I don't even have to be triggered by my kids. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a, a woman over 40. I got some hormone <laughs> stuff going on, whether or not I'm sleeping well. Let's have another podcast about <laughs> that, shall we? <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that can trigger me and invite if I'm not – in my awareness mm -hmm. and willing to take what I'm noticing and find my calm body and make that shift, I can be right in that reactive mode. Um, so, so as we move towards improvement, especially mm -hmm. the listeners who are thinking like, okay, great. Oh my gosh, you've described me now. What the heck am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. What are some first steps towards mm -hmm. improvement okay. when you start to notice that you spend a lot of time in either of these places or in that dance? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, well, and I want to say that, you know, this is like relearning a worldview, mm -hmm. right? This is not like I'm going to learn how to jump rope or I'm going to learn, I'm going to train for a marathon. This is, I mean, well, training for a marathon is pretty big. Yeah. You can do that. You no, can do thank that. You. I'm, I'm good. sure. Um, <laughs> I know. But this is really, people are really relearning something here. And what's interesting is people may get this view of, leadership as you mentioned mm -hmm. that that beginning of authoritarian authoritative uh, being about leadership people can get this style of leadership at the workplace and not at home right 
So there's lots of people who have embraced this in the workplace who get that the bottom line actually increases when you include people in decision-making, when you empower them, when you trust and encourage, right? right? But then they come home and leave that all there. And really, when we think about improvement, which I love because this is not about perfection. I mean, Gottman talks about with emotion coaching. If you're doing it 30% of the time, that's awesome, right? right? It's not about being perfect here. And the great part about parenting this way is the focus is on modeling all that you want them to see, which means that when we make mistakes, we can embrace them because we're modeling for our kids how to recover from mistakes. Right, yay. When we feel bad and we did, we start to get on ourselves because we didn't handle it the way we wanted to, we can practice self-compassion and model that, you know, we still love ourselves and we can still work towards our goals and that models it for our kids. And we're modeling patience for our kids, which I think we'd all like to see a little more of sometimes. All right. So this is all really good and well and um, really wanting listeners to walk away with things that they can start today, right? So you yeah. had told me uh, before we started recording that you've got some some tips. What are those Absolutely. tips, Serena? All right. So the first thing is to slow down and notice. So spend a week uh, just noticing what your style is. And so sometimes, because people might not be kind of sh sure where they're at or if they tend towards one end or the other or what triggers them to swing back and forth. So that very first step is just noticing when emotions are high, where you tend to go. Mm -hmm. You tend to say, oh, I can't deal with this, mm -hmm. do whatever. Or do you, you know, sort of get angry and want to take control? Because we can't change what we're not aware of. So first we got to create that awareness. So paying attention when it happens and, you know, not even, I mean, if you can shift it in the moment, great. But for that first week, just noticing where do I tend to go? And are there certain situations that make me go one way or the other? Watching uh, Dan Siegel's uh, video on YouTube, um, if you Google brain and hand model, uh, you can see, you can get a great uh very short two minute video on what's happening in your brain when emotions are high. And so that first step right there is just noticing when emotions get high and where do you tend to go? Yes. Okay? Awesome. That's one. So, uh, second step is, uh, is beginning to, when you notice yourself going to that, so Dan Siegel talks about flipping your lid was sort of when our rational thought goes offline and we're and we're really in that fight or flight and really wanting to react, is, which is where we're gonna have a tendency to go one way or the other with the pendulum. Um, uh, starting to notice that feeling happening, slow down and decide to do something different. Mm. That something different may be, honey, I am really upset right now I need to calm myself down and then let's talk about how we can solve this problem together. By the way, works great with partners too. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> uh, and so slowing down, deciding to do something different mm -hmm. and when we're not able to do something different because we're human and we're going to make mistakes. The most important thing you can do is making a repair with your child. Yeah. So going to the child and saying, you know, I slimed you. I got really mad and I was disrespectful and I'm sorry. I, I would love it if we could have a calm conversation about this so I could hear more, you know, what 
why this is important to you or, you know, depending on the age of your kid, the level of conversation you can engage in, but really just owning your behavior. And yeah. my gosh, do we, don't we want our kids to do that? Yeah. Uh, I remember when I first learned about making repairs and I thought, oh, great, I'm going to be doing this like all day long and it's not oh, going to mean anything. And really for in my practice and what I'm hearing from parents in their practice is that third step of this is what I'm going to do differently mm-hmm. next time. Absolutely. Like speaking that out into oh, the universe, huge. you know, it's like I, now I have to do it, right? Huge, next time I feel right? that way, you're going to notice that I'm going to walk away or next time I feel yes. that way and making a commitment. And what I noticed was because I made that commitment, I was actually making repairs less often than I thought I would. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The third uh, tip is sometimes it's easier to focus on what you do want uh, than spending our time focusing on what we don't want. So what I mean by that is sometimes it might be really hard to say, okay, I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to go top down. I'm not going to go top down. Sometimes our focus on that um, can can make it more challenging. Mm-hmm. So it may be helpful as we do in positive discipline class, and I do this with every client, is thinking about where you're headed. Mm-hmm. So making those, making that list of traits and life skills and characteristics that you hope your child has when they are grown up. And you know, like you, we've probably we've probably done this like thousands of times, huh? Yeah, totally. Uh, and the list is almost always the same, and it's yeah. got empathy and self-discipline and communication and trust and respect and all these things you want your kids to have. Mm-hmm. So then put that list up because those are the things to model. So yeah. if you didn't have a model on what kind and firm at the same time looks like, that authoritative parenting, mm-hmm. if you haven't had a model of that, this may help you get clear because those are the characteristics, right? Yeah, keep your eyes so on the prize. Use- Right. So keep your focus on that. So am I modeling these things? Because, you know, that list that you come up with those great things. That's what you want. Those that's what you want to do. So you want to show respect it to your towards your kids emotions. That's kind and firm. You mm-hmm. want to show self-respect. Mm-hmm. That's kind and firm. Like all of those are part of that authoritative parenting. So that may be an easier way to move towards where you want to go. It's kind of your roadmap. Yeah. And, you know, it was something that's been really showing up as context as I work with families um, these days is that our beingness really mm-hmm. trumps our doingness, Absolutely. right? So if we aren't doing the work of embodying kindness and firmness, of embodying connect, like for me, when I think of my intention, my intentional way of being with my kids the goal is calm, connected, available, and compassionate. Mm-hmm. Like those are yep. my four kind of mantras. And I practice that. I talk about this on the podcast a lot, but I practice that mm-hmm. throughout the day so that when I'm confronted by the angsty child or the disrespectful, mm-hmm. flippant comment, I, it's more likely that I can tap into that body because I've been practicing yes. what that feels like. And yes. when I'm in that space, then I can think about all of my tools. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard when we're in that frantic space, you know, fear. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I have fears as a parent too. We all do. But if we parent only from that place, no bueno. what our kids learn is fear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, Serena, I have one last yes. question because yes. this is a new – everybody gets this last question now. 
Okay. <laughs> Starting last <laughs> interview that I did. All um, right. And the question is, what does joyful courage mean to you? Hmm. I love it. I love those words. It, me too. It, 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 to me, it means acknowledging the courage that lies within us and finding joy in it. So not finding, I mean, we can find joy in, in the outcome or the, you know, the task completed or whatever it is, but joyful courage is about along the way, finding joy in what you're, what you're bringing to the table, celebrating our growth and having the courage to try again. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Awesome. So where can listeners find you? They can find me at uh, growparenting.com. Um, sorry. It is all good, mama. <laughs> okay. So www.growparenting.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Grow Parenting has a page there or on Twitter at Serena, Serena Natkin. Okay. And I'm going to make all those links available um, in the show notes. So no worries Great. there. Thank you. Good, good, good. And listeners, just so you know, Serena writes the most eloquent articles and blog posts around a variety of topics when it comes to parenting. So I will lead you in her direction so that you can get ever more insights. Yeah, yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know, right? I love it. Great. Love it. Yay. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, Casey. Bye. Bye. So great, right? I love talking about parenting styles and the dance and just broadening the lens around this journey of parenting. So I hope that you got a bunch out of that conversation. Um, Always a pleasure to talk to my friend Serena. Again, you can check the show notes for all the links for finding her and... uh, following all of her good stuff. She writes amazing articles on the Grow Parenting blog. So I would absolutely um, get on her Facebook page and follow her blog. She is a brilliant writer and just has really great, clear, no-nonsense, step-by-step instructions on uh, how to make different times of day more easier and just, you know, again, broadening perspective around parenting, right? So before you leave me today, I just wanted to be um, clear about the carry the future baby carrier drive that I mentioned not too long ago on the podcast. So it's up and running. I actually have a, um, a page on my website, which is joyfulcourage.com. And when you go to joyfulcourage.com, you will see in the navigation bar all the way over to the side, it says carry the future drive. When you click on that, you will see a page that gives you more information about carry the future. Um, There's uh, a bit about Operation Refugee Child with um, information about how to donate there, what kinds of baby carriers are accepted, how to, um, what the... There are a couple companies that are partnering with Carry the Future, and you can find out who they are. There is an address for locals. Um, I'm teaming up with Grow With Me Boutique. Shout out to Janae, Grow With Me Boutique. 
Um, she's going to be the drop-off place for locals to drop off your gently used or new baby carrier. And then there's a bunch of addresses for around the country. There's one in Alexandria. There's actually two in Alexandria, Virginia. There's one in Madison, Wisconsin. And then there's one in Glendale, California. So be a part of making a difference. Remember, did you listen? If you haven't listened to this podcast yet, you've got to listen to it. It was a bonus episode and it was last week, just last week. It went live and um, so inspiring the work that these people are doing. So check it out. And the other thing that I want to make crystal clear to everyone that's listening is that I am a certified coach. I am a parent coach, life coach. I am here to serve. So if you're listening to these podcasts and feeling like you're really getting to know me and appreciating my style and appreciating my lens that I see the world out of, get in touch and um, check out my coaching offer and get curious about how we could work together because good, exciting news is I have um, some freed up space. So I now have space for coaching clients. So I'm looking for my newest batch. Could be you. Get in touch, Casey at joyfulcourage.com. You can do a free half-hour exploratory call. Or, hey, you could go live on the podcast and do a half-hour of coaching with me there. So there's ways of checking it out before committing, and I'm just sure that you'll want to commit because it's just that good. So my friends, have a fabulous day. Thank you so much for listening. I do this for you. Loving it. Hoping that it's inspiring and entertaining and all that good stuff. Send me some feedback. Love it over the email or um, via iTunes. Leave an iTunes review or give me five stars. <laughs> um, let me know how this is landing for you. And thank you to everybody who has already done that. Love it. Appreciate it. And I will see you next week. Bye. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.